Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and proving that podcasting is exactly as glamorous as you think it is, coming to us from a back office at an airport somewhere, BA Insight CTO Jeff Freed. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Pete. Always good to talk to you. And uh, I'm in the in the luggage room where I belong. My image of you is on the actual conveyor, and I'm going to not let you correct me. Uh, this is a big month. May brings a raft of news from Microsoft, from the future of SharePoint, through new developer capabilities coming out of Build and SharePoint Virtual Summit. With big news comes a big panel of experts to discuss and debate the direction of Microsoft and what it means to us and findability and beyond. Uh, First of all, we have Mikhail Svensson, CTO at Puzzle Part. He returns to the show today. Welcome back, Mikhail. Well, thank you very much. So I guess I'm, I'm not in a luggage room, but I'm, I'm sitting in our small kitchen and just waiting this hour, and then I'll get back to my iPad and play some games. <laughs> there you go. Aspirational to the last. Matthew McDermott is new to Shared Insights. He's director at Aptalon. Welcome, Matt, to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, Jeff. I appreciate the, uh, the invite. And Pete, thanks for moderating everything. Thank you, sir. And finally, also new to the show, Mark Anderson of Simpraxis Consulting. Welcome, Mark. I'm always finally, and I, I like it that way. Uh, it's nice to be here. I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Thank you all for being here. To start us off, let's just go around the horn a little bit and talk about our top takeaways from the SharePoint Virtual Summit first. And let's just pick one or two, each of you, and and share the things that are exciting you, the things you're looking forward to the most out of this set of announcements. I, th I think for me, it's kind of a combination. There's sort of a tie. The first is uh, the improved search experience, starting with SharePoint Sites and getting better content into that search experience. So I always struggled when I hit the SharePoint Sites link, and then I have to actually go type in the URL of my search center. And so they've improved, they've made that uh, decrease the friction, as they say, to get you from the searching your stuff to searching all the stuff in the enterprise. And my second one has to be files on demand. I can't wait for files on demand to come to OneDrive. That is just that's so important. I think I think one of the definitely the things that I got most excited about is the the whole concept of finding people who have skills and making that tighter. It's been it's been just sort of not there for years and years, and now we're now we're seeing Microsoft finally sort of tighten up around the fact that people are what matter more than documents. And so as we're starting to see indexing on, on the user profile properties that will help us surf, surface experts we need, I think that's, that's a huge step. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I think is really becoming clear is that the whole modern, in big air quotes, that you can't do on a podcast um, trend is finally sort of gelling. It's finally becoming something that's that covers enough surface area that you sort of want to go the, to the modern thing as opposed to half the time going classic, half the time going modern. It's now now I feel it tipping toward let's try to use modern if we can. Yeah, uh, Mark, you took something uh, straight out of my uh, my mouth there, but I, I think the expertise finding profiles which We've also been adding into profiles since 2013, but it's it's really now reached something that's out of the box. And the, the meta for me is just that the rhythm of SharePoint has continued. The customer, there's a lot of momentum, a lot of customer success stories, 
there's a next step in personalized search and expertise finding, um, which, you know, I've been watching SharePoint Home and it's been steadily getting better and better behind the scenes from a search perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, hybrid, um, since we do so much with hybrid search, there was nothing specific in the announcements, but just the, the announcement of Feature Pack 2 and uh, things coming on-prem uh, and continuing that rhythm, I, I think, is very solid. I guess I agree that the SharePoint homepage search is getting better, but I can't really bring myself to be that happy about it because, I mean, we've configured search centers in, in the classic mode with more functionality and showing more context per item than they are doing right now. Sure, you now get the expertise, but for files, I mean, you, <clears throat> you get a small abstract, you get the title, you barely get the context where the file is actually coming from. So for most businesses who have some domain knowledge, I mean, they have at least a couple of more pieces of metadata, which are really useful to show per, per result. And unless you can show those, uh, I, don't, I don't get it. Yes, it ranks. Uh, using trending close to you, et cetera, which certainly helps, but they still have a, have a way to go. So in, in my opinion, they sort of are working yeah, on three-year cycles anyways. Yeah, right. I mean, they release stuff all the time, but they're taking two steps back and then small steps forward. So I guess when Modern has been there for three years, maybe it's as good as functionality-wise as 2013. I don't know. But when Modern's three years old, won't it be old? It'll be it'll be well. Then we then we'll be in postmodern. I guess is the next phase that we'll be into. I you know I agree with you that it is not the perfect experience. I think of it more as the where did I put that file of mine is the first experience you have. It's not meant to be the way it was explained to me is it's not meant to be enterprise search it's meant to be like immediate search mm -hmm. is the stuff that you just you know the stuff that was just in your pockets a few minutes ago where did you put it down but then if you want to go wider from that page they have facilitated links that allow you to get to that enterprise search center um, that is there for you to do a lot more with I guess um, that's the way I would put it and the other thing is at least they're giving it some love I get so tired of of, the, of talking to people from Microsoft, and they're like, ooh, teams, ooh, groups, ooh, this, ooh, that, new features, great. How do I find them? Oh, we're working on that in V3. Right. And, and it's not there. There's no findability built into these initial products. And that, I just want to I just want to claw their eyes out, not mine, because yeah. I'm just so sick of that answer. But, but I guess the finding that file I was working on, I get that from Outlook. I get that from Word. I get that from Exchange. Sure. I mean, I, n I never use the SharePoint homepage to find my recent files, right? I use OneDrive. I use all the other. But I guess it's all powered by search in some way, so it's getting ubiquitous, and that's that's what I love. Like, search is showing up everywhere. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I even saw it in the um, in the publishing sites, of course, that um, the vision of search powering everything and powering, air quotes, intelligence you really see it. Um, certainly the classic search center is not going away anytime soon because there are, there's no notion of metadata or customizability or display templates in the modern experiences. I, I do applaud continued incremental progress and uh, Microsoft putting investment into, yeah, into search on, a, uh, on however incremental a basis.
So that comes out of the virtual summit, but uh, there was a lot of news uh, from the month of May. What else from the month of announcements uh, sticks out to you as something you're excited about? Uh, Sure. I I think the biggest uh, set of things really came from Build. And the SharePoint framework news, for example, extensions, which matter a lot to me because it gives us an ability to go in and work with these modern pages. That actually wasn't from the uh, SharePoint Virtual Summit. It was from Build. Uh, there were some some great Azure search announcements at, at Build as well. So those are, are big highlights to me, including, in fact, I just left a cognitive design session with the uh, new search and Q&A APIs that came out of Build. It's it's cool stuff. Sure. Um, I would have to concur with, um, with Jeff on the SharePoint Framework stuff. I've been working quite a lot with SharePoint Framework and playing a lot with it. And, um, getting more extensibility hooks is certainly something we've been looking for. And, and then we can probably hook into using search even more. So that's something I'm looking forward to. But I guess what caught my eye the most is... Uh, was the adding of the insights endpoint to the Microsoft Graph, where you could now get uh, trending and uh, files you are working on, et cetera, from the Microsoft Graph. And then, of course, in the same post, the discontinuation of GQL, or killing the graph query language from the search API, which I wrote a, I think, a really fairly balanced post, not being too negative about it, even though I think it still sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm disappointed in any time they are removing search ability and instead forcing developers to do to try to achieve the same goal with alternate means like having to I don't know jump from node to node and enumerate the graph. It worries me. So I I didn't I I saw other things. The cognitive services coming out of Build are pretty amazing. I'm looking forward to having a smarter search center in SharePoint um, that is also extensible. And I haven't seen that yet, so I'm still waiting. It's interesting. I, I, I think that what, what I'm seeing is that Microsoft continues to be way out in front of where most organizations are even thinking. And I say that it sounds like a good thing, but I think it's a bad thing. I think a lot of these new, big air quotes, experiences are beyond what anyone can comprehend. People just aren't there yet. Um, you know, I don't know what you guys experience out in the field, but a lot of my clients are still trying to figure out whether they should put documents in SharePoint. You know, so so all of these new whizzy things can be sort of confusing for people. That said, I think that the the SharePoint uh, framework extensions thing is a huge step in the right direction of, of getting that, that development method uh, to be of more use to people. I, th- I don't think it's reached its tipping point quite yet. I think people like us on this call are probably fiddling around with it a lot, whereas um, you know, your average SharePoint dev shop may not be. I think, I think the more surface they give us to, to be able to work in, the better. And so the fact that, that uh, the SharePoint framework folks went from a GA in January to releasing these extensions in, in essentially early May, I think, is an, is an awesome velocity for them. I'm very bullish on the, on the SharePoint framework as a, as a development method, and I'm just hoping they get further, further along the path so that they get to the tipping point where people say, all right, let's, let's use that because if we can't do it there, 
uh, we're probably not doing something right, as opposed to it's good for some stuff and we're not quite sure we're going to stick our toe in there yet. But but right now, admittedly, VESA even says it's a UI framework. It's not a back-end extensibility framework. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I think I think that we're, we're – we all see that that de development method is is really where the mainstream uh, effort is. I mean, that's that's really where uh, Microsoft seems to be recommending that everyone go build stuff that's client side, takes advantage of the, the Microsoft Graph and and other services to to get data and and manipulate it and then push it back into this into the into the platform. That's a huge shift for people, and obviously you can't do everything with it. But I think that. It's you know with the eighty twenty rule, uh, SharePoint framework ought to be able to give us at least that eighty percent, and they're just not there yet. But but I think I think they're getting there. Okay, so Microsoft has said that they're we, they're seeing enormous growth, right? I mean they they of course trot out the big statistics that you know eighty five percent of Fortune five hundred companies are using SharePoint as part of uh, Office sixty five. It's in the last year usage of SharePoint has grown ninety percent. Content stored has grown three hundred percent. More than ten million new SharePoint sites have been created. Of course, they they don't give us exact numbers there, just lots of glorious percentages, which may you know to your point earlier be more of an indication of the massive head room left uh, in customers who are using just a fraction of the functionality that's that is available to them already. Uh, so all this new stuff is just lots of headroom for using new features. But it begs the question, what else is missing? What was it that you were excited to or, or excited for or expecting or hoping for that just wasn't announced uh, or hasn't been announced in this month of announcements? I've heard that the, the, the definition of a a pessimist is an optimist that has experience. And I think there are a couple of things which I've been really uh, hoping and pushing for, what I call the mythical push API, to have a way to extend the graph, uh, by which I mean the, the artist formerly known as the office graph, and being able to influence relationships in sophisticated ways. That is definitely missing, as are ways to influence and use recommendations that really are personalized. You can taste it because I know the mechanisms are there. They're just not open. I think that what we're seeing is is that the effort there that you're looking for, Jeff, I think is is being is coming in the Microsoft graph. And I, I don't think a lot of people have spent much time with that yet. A lot of it's in beta, but the fact that you can augment nodes in the Microsoft graph now uh, to some degree, I think starts to give you those capabilities. Uh, that you're talking about, if I'm understanding you right. So, uh, you know, w one would hope that those things become GA sooner and, you know, faster than than some some other stuff does. You know, three years in, in preview doesn't work. And as, as those entry points in the Microsoft graph that, that allow us to extend what's going on, what signals there are, and let us put our own signals in, I think, I think my, my sense is that that discussion around the office graph has just sort of died, and it's really the Microsoft graph where all of that's going to happen. Is that is that consistent with what you're thinking? Yes, absolutely. And and for sure, the ability to extend entities, to add field profile fields, and to add elements to files. Uh, you know, for example, adding metadata to files that may be anywhere in the suite. That's all goodness. You know, what I am talking about is the ability to add signals perhaps add signal types, and to, to influence these things like, you know, the trending API in the Microsoft Graph, which is otherwise 
black box and tuned for the masses rather than tuned for any particular customer or application. For me, this is Matt. For me, I'm my, what my customers want from Office 365. The real value proposition comes when we can not. I mean, I've, I'm I'm guilty of this. I'm teaching hybrid classes. I'm teaching doing hybrid lectures. But what my customers are looking at is how can Office 365 save me money? I mean, sure, it can extend my reach with mobile devices and all of that. It's doing a great job. But when I start actually decommissioning servers, then I start saving money when I start having to administer less stuff on-prem. And so one of the things they're looking for, I have at least three customers right now that are asking me about architecting an intranet in Office 365 and how a team site isn't going to cut it. They don't want to brand it like we used to with publishing sites. And the announcement of communication sites, although I think that is a huge step in the right direction, they still want this idea of a portal where they have departmental, divisional type content that is curated but is specific to that department but it's not a departmental team site. The team site is where the collaboration takes place. It's private to the team. And then that content gets published to a departmental, we used to call them brochure sites, where they are public to the rest of the company. And I think that's still, there's still a big disconnect. The, 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 um, I made the joke that the communication sites are awesome, but now we need to hire a photographer because they're beautiful sites when they're properly curated. But I don't think that eight out of ten companies are going to take the time to to go through and find the photos to make those sexy sites look as sexy as they can be. I think they're more interested in getting their message out. And and so I'm I'm still thinking that although it's a really cool demo, I, I think time will tell whether companies are actually taking advantage of communication sites with the vision that we saw the other day or whether they continue to ask for additional features that will allow them to actually produce a, an HR department company public-wide portal page. I think that's missing. This is still not a real intranet with the features many people need. It's a, a set of capabilities that's making progress. But I think many customers we have, as well as the 42-plus different vendors of intranet in a box on Office 365, are all looking at that and saying, you know, is it going to converge on something that gives me what I want out of the box or not? Does it serve my business need? You know, a lot of clients will ask me, why would I ever use this? I'd say, that's the wrong question. <laughs> you have to ask, what do we need to do to get our job done? And then which of these tools that is that is provided on that enormous app launcher is going to satisfy that need? Um, I think that that's where that's where folks are struggling is trying to figure out how to use the tools that they have. That very proliferation is actually part of the problem because there's nobody who can understand all of those different tiles on the app launcher and you know, do great work with all, with with a large number of them. So you know, like you said, Matt, I think that the the, you know, the beautiful demos are perfect, except that very few people do beautiful work. You know, Excel spreadsheets don't have a lot of really interesting stuff in them. Word documents tend to just be a bunch of text. So while Microsoft is beautifying everything, the content itself, which is actually the point of much of this, 
doesn't really lend itself to that sort of beautification. So w w that's that's what I part of what I was thinking about when I was talking earlier about Microsoft being sort of way out ahead of everybody else. I don't think that um, uh, a lot of companies really are sophisticated enough, and I don't mean that in a mean way. They're too busy doing their work, but they're not sophisticated in their content generation and usage to take advantage of these beautiful pictures of chairs and all that other stuff that looked so nice in those demos. The I mean, close-ups of the sandwiches. They're gorgeous demos. I mean, you, you, you want to go work at that company just so you can troll around the, the internet. <laughs> but, 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 you don't, but once you get past that, that shiny layer, do you see people getting their work done better? Sure. For, for the shiny stuff, we actually see, I mean, there's a lot of people in the information departments sit on a lot of stock photos and they have this big image library so they can actually start using those photos in the in the, in a better way uh, but coming back to the mythical push api as jeff said the yeah i would have wished they maybe announced that as well or some more apis because i mean i think search and all the apis and the microsoft graph as well they're sort of out of the box, and there's not a lot of parameters on them. So they they do one thing and one thing only. But but uh, if you take the analogy to machine learning, which is behind the graph anyways, right? Machine learning is by far not not easy to do. I mean, you almost need a PhD to understand how machine learning, unless you do the simple models. But if you really want to solve a business problem, you need a big data set. You need to understand the parameters you're looking for to reduce all the parameters and all, you know, all the fancy stuff in machine learning. I mean, I'm no expert by far, but but it's quite advanced API. So why can't we get some advanced APIs with signals, with edges, and trying to figure out, I mean, if you give someone an, uh, something advanced, someone probably will f figure out something smart, right? I agree. And one observation I have since recently been more involved in the Dynamics 365 ecosystem. You know, we came out with uh, Search for Dynamics. There are some nice, sophisticated APIs. There's a machine learning and personalization mechanism within Dynamics, which is both more open and, I think, more effective. And the common data model, which ultimately, in theory, will extend to Office 365, I think is a pretty nice thing. So there's a sort of a sister group to Office 365, which I think is doing some of these things well. So a uh, quick question. Do you think a lot of customers will actually adopt the common data model just based on the pricing point? Not yet. Um, in, in Dynamics, there definitely are people that want to do that, and the price point being high is not an obstacle because it's ERP data. I think uh, using it in Office 365, you're absolutely right. It's it's probably beyond the sort of every employee value point. Yeah, because I guess coming from the SharePoint side, I mean, I would probably spin up multiple SharePoint lists instead of going with the common data model just because of the pricing point. Let's uh, let's talk about Delve a little bit. Where is Delve in its maturity? How how are you using it? How do you see others using it? And and uh, you know, in particular, did you get anything that you you wanted out of Delve in this last month of announcements? I actually find myself using Delve less and less uh, from the Delve uh, homepage. Um, I think Delve is kind of interesting because it, it was launched as the sample application for using the Office Graph, now the Microsoft Graph. 
but it's turned into more and more my profile, maybe my content as well. I don't know if you sort of OneDrive and and uh, the profile goes hand in hand. So I think so. Yes, I'm using Delve more and more, but not from the Delve page, and that's because they're making Delve profiles available everywhere. I mean, I can click a person anywhere and then see the last files, all the information I need. So it seems to me that Delve is turning into the profile and, or, and then just pulling in all the whatever data for that person in, in the card. So maybe Delve turns into a component, and maybe we don't need the Delve homepage anymore. Maybe it's just Delve is the profile card. This is Matt. I, I don't use it much either. Now, I'm a unique business case because I work in a, in a, real, in a boutique uh, consulting company. With my customers, it takes me longer to explain with words what it does than it does for me just to show them. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll have them pop over to Delve, and they'll actually be surprised that, they, that it's even there. So I think the the challenge that we have right now with Delve is that it is underutilized, it is under-advocated, and people just don't really understand where it fits because there's this black box, how did that card end up in my search page um, attitude? And so I think, again, coming back to the developer story, coming back to the customization story, I really want to see more from that team in terms of how we can extend it, how we can feed it, um, and how how we can use it um, not the way necessarily Microsoft intended, but the way our customers are asking for it. Like for instance, can I can I have a company wide board that everybody gets because we are going to curate? We're going to have people who are going to curate content into those boards. Um, let's say that the SharePoint team wants to have um, uh, build a board from new content that's being developed. Uh, internally for training or whatever, um, can I take it and pin those boards to other, to uh, to everybody in my organization? It'd be interesting to see what other people would come up with if there was more of a developer or more of an API story. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's it's definitely they're still using the term railed uh, experience, right? Um, you know, we go to at least I find with my clients what the, the one thing that they will go to delve for is the profile. And to me, they're sort of two separate things. There's sort of burying the concept of the user profile under delve sort of dilutes that brand if there is one. I mean, I think, you know, I want to know somebody's phone number. I just click on their name and I happen to land on delve, but I don't really think of that as delve. I think of that as looking up somebody's phone number. Sure, sure. Like um, me.office365.com should be the Delve homepage address as opposed to the obscure, you know, you go to delve.com or delve.office365.com for the Delve experience. Almost separate them from a URL perspective to make it even clearer from the uh, that we could say technically it's being driven by the same technology, but having two different landing pages makes it a, a bit easier in, a, in an end user's mind possibly. Yeah, I think it's almost like the way we, we've we've all learned to sort of ignore the ads on web pages. You know, we go to the we go to the Dell profile and we see the profile and we sort of don't. And maybe this isn't everybody, but you sort of don't see all the other stuff on the right because you're just trying to get a phone number or, a, or a, you know who is this person? Let me look at their picture. Uh-huh. I totally agree. And then the other complexity to that is that usually in almost all large organizations that I've ever worked with, and I don't think this is changing, that data is wrong. So even wanting to go to the profile is, is sketchy. So the sort of um, 
the serendipitous benefit of going to someone else's Delve page so that I can see what they've been working on and say, ooh, that looks interesting, I should talk to them about that, is even less likely to happen because if, the, if, if I don't think of the profile data as being correct, I'm not even gonna go there for that. So it's just, you know, that visit won't happen. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leading into this to say something nice about hyperfish, but I will. Um, you know, until you can get that data right and, and have people trust that IT is supporting this sort of living, breathing organism that is their organization and keeping that data correct so that it can be actionable, I think the, the Delve profile side of the page will be sort of if infrequently used. And then the right side of the page, which offers all that serendipity, will just never be seen. Uh, even even when you show it to people, I think, again, it's it's one of those demos that, that's just, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. But then they don't go do it in their work. Yeah, I have to agree that the profile is actually the most important part. And I think my two last projects or one is actually ongoing is one the part is how can we get the right profile data and sync it into the SharePoint user profile online? That's sort of the one of the, the drivers to go online, make sure the profile is correct. Yeah, actually, I just was uh, talking to someone about that two hours ago, a uh, major consultancy where the, the profile data being right is, uh, is key. And it's funny, we've... Uh, been doing this at BA Insight for quite some time, pushing things into the profile based upon other data, using, you know, as a side effect of your work in various systems, populating that. Uh, and that's a technique that works, uh, that, that Hyperfish also does well, but it's not going to work out of the box. People just don't, they, they're never going to actually update their, their profiles on their own. Not unless you nag them, and that's what Hyperfish does really well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, as long as it's as long as it's a big effort, like the AD guys have to go and do this big. I have to go fix my ten thousand users' data. That's just never going to happen. That that becomes a twenty twenty two project, you know. And then by the time that gets close, they run out of budget. We'll see if LinkedIn data ends up showing up in this mix in a useful way. Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting. I think you know, I th I think. I can see the promise of that. I can see that that's a bigger, you know, it's a organizational, social, external graph concept that could could uh, provide all kinds of interesting connections. But at the same time, if you go and you look at people's LinkedIn profiles, you can you see that they're they're often just as sparsely populated or or out of date as people's profiles are in Office 365. So again, until we until we can sort of get people to understand that the data that they have out there as visible to either their organization or their world actually matters in some way, and that it has to be a carrot, not a stick, um, I don't know how that's going to work. I'd love to see how they're going to come at it, though. As soon as you said my LinkedIn profile, I thought, great, now I have to go update my LinkedIn profile, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the fun part, like from a techno technology standpoint, SharePoint has for a long time has BCS connectivity to put more data into the user profiles, right? So the technology has been there, which, of course, won't work for SharePoint Online or the Online or the Dell profile. But I guess it was no telemetry telling or showing that anyone actually used that feature. 
Let's put on our fortune-telling hats a little bit and talk about where you see things going over the next, say, three years. If you were to take a position on on what you expect to see from Microsoft and this ecosystem in the next three years, what do you expect? And, and we should probably lay odds about whether we're even going to be asking about Delve as a brand by then. I actually don't think we'll be asking about Delve as a brand. I think Delve will disappear into profiles as we've been talking about, and one less thing on the waffle will, will be welcome. I expect and hope that the kind of things that the graph has been providing will continue to be developed and improved because there is so much potential power there so that there'll be a whole new sort of level of personalization and intelligent search and discovery as as the graph matures. And certainly the the search industry as a whole is poised at a whole new wave of this stuff. So Microsoft, if they continue to want to play in that space, um, will need to take what's a, a good position and, and execute on that. Three years, that's an awful long time. I mean, I, I, I hardly plan my next week, so <laughs> sort of live on day to day. But I think what we're seeing is that search appears in more and more user interfaces. So that means you're in Word, you get search uh, bringing you content, even though you didn't know it. And the same happens in Outlook, et cetera. So they will all tap into all the data living in the Microsoft Graph and using the Graph APIs to bring content. So I guess the enterprise search page uh, or, or enterprise search center might be less important, uh, even though I still think it can work if you do it correct and know the domain good enough for a customer to build custom yeah, experiences, but that requires a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of testing to get it right. So that's why I think all these small UIs bringing you content probably makes you, will make you more efficient and it's search driven, but it's not you actually typing a search query or adding a lot of refiners. And I hope and think that they might take the context part even better. So now you get content related to who you are, to the division or department you work in and the, the colleagues you work closest with. Maybe they can start looking into more uh, what kind of document did you look at last before you try to find something. Uh, maybe what device are you on when you're looking? Are you sitting at home or at work, time of day? Like all these other context parameters, which might be a good indicator to what you're actually looking for, and then presenting the content before you actually think you, think you know it. So I think that's the power of mass computing and machine learning and having all that data power, maybe trying to understand you better than you can understand yourself before you even know it. So that maybe in three years' time. This is Matt. I'll take the flip side of what Mikhail just said, and that's – his was personal focused. I think that from the organizational perspective, they have two competing needs. They have to, they want to curate a message for the intranet that is seen the same by all employees. I want to make sure that this video goes out every Monday morning and the impressions of this video are seen by everybody. But at the same time, they also want the departmental or divisional aspect of that and then at the same time they the employee wants to see content that's curated to him that's vital for his job function and so 
from the I want to make sure everybody gets this message to I want to make sure it's personal, I think that's going to be the competing challenge. And if, if Microsoft can tackle that in the next three years, I think they have a very good opportunity to continue to be a leader in intranets, but they won't be on-prem intranets anymore, and they won't they won't involve a year-long design and development effort that it takes right now to deploy a publishing site on-prem. They're going to be looking at I'm not going to call it Internet in a box because I think that's too trendy, but I think we're looking at the ability to have the tools and functionality in Office 365 where um, organizations can actually get what they need from both sides. And and in order to do that, it has to be search-driven. I'll tag my content, and then we can develop curated pages where that content will appear based on the desire of the person publishing that page. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd love the word launch to go out of everybody's vocabulary and upgrade. I'm right there with you. No launch, no launch, no upgrade. Right. It's all it's all evolution, right? And and I think you know we're we're getting more used to that with Office 365 as a service, and you know they keep throwing new things in there, and that makes it an evolution. I don't think we'll be talking about Delve in three years because Microsoft renames everything within three years, so it'll be called something else. But yeah. the question is, in three uncle. years, what is what is going to be called Delve? Because that's the other thing they do that's every right. three years is reuse a name. Right. It'll have a different symbol after it or something. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, I think I think for me, these interfaces like Delve, um, where there's sort of this fortuitous stuff shown in, in all these giant tiles, is again sort of a nice demo but I, I I think what what really has to be able what we need to be able to do and I think Jeff you were talking about it earlier is show stuff that's directly co- connected to a process that I am right now executing on and it's it's hard to know whether the graph the the, the theory behind the graph or graphs that are sitting here will be able to enable that um, you know, I, I, I have to get these three tasks done today or I'm going to get fired kind of stuff. That's what people worry about as opposed to a tile that shows that somebody I know, somebody I, whose who's co-worker is working on a, a, an Excel spreadsheet. Um, that's really nice, but I might get fired if I don't finish these three tasks. So there's a real balance there. Um, and by the way, Matt, when, when I'm trying to worry about my three tasks, I'm not going to the intranet to, to watch that video because I got those three tasks. So it's all this giant balancing act. And no matter how beautiful you make everything, if it doesn't help people execute on their job, it's just beautiful and it makes a good demo. I don't know how to reconcile that. I know that whenever probably anybody on this call is is working with a client we're focusing on the specific business processes that we're trying to make run better um, that's when you start using the new to-do app right to get all your tests <laughs> in order <laughs> maybe in three years we'll be talking about that without laughing like i just did um yeah you know there will be leapfrogs and and you know uh uh side-by-side racers and all that sort of stuff in this game, right? And in, in, in this race, who knows what we'll be talking about in three years. But I'm hoping it actually helps people get their jobs done better. That's the point. And I worry that, uh, you know, every time that Microsoft comes out with a new 
tool. And to do is a great example. Thanks for bringing it up. Or a delve, or uh, uh, you know, whatever's up there in that waffle. When they add a new one and they don't make the other ones help me get my job done better, I worry that everything's getting too diluted. Well, let's let's pivot on that question then, uh, Mark. The and and take it from the perspective of you sitting down and talking specifically to your customers. Uh, how do you help them approach and absorb these announcements? Uh, and and what sorts of changes would you expect to be making uh, in your own work with your customers uh, moving forward this year? Frankly, most of my customers pay no attention at all with, to what's coming out new on Office 365. They They know what happens when something changes on their screen, and they almost always don't like it. And, you know, I don't think any of us can sort of do the round robin with all of our customers all of the time with every announcement we hear. So that's a tough one. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the businesses using this platform now are either small to small to medium sized businesses or, or businesses that don't have an IT department or have a very small IT footprint. So keeping up is really, really hard. Um, I, you know, over the next year or so, I think I'll still be trying to teach people how they put put documents into document libraries and tag them correctly. That's still a struggle for a lot of people. Um, trying to explain all this new WYSI stuff that's happening with Power Apps and Flow and all these other things, um, you know, unless that comes into a specific, trying to solve a specific business requirement, uh, it's not even worth talking about in many cases. Th this is not me being pessimistic. It's just me being realistic about what I think people's capacity is for absorbing change and, and newness. Um, so I always try to focus on solving a specific problem. And if some of these technologies, you know, I was today I was talking to somebody about how we should use document library, or I'm sorry, document sets which apparently very few people use, but are a fantastic tool in SharePoint and has been for quite a long time. Um, and we're wondering if we could use Flow with them. And you, you, know, you sort of have to figure out whether the, the piece parts go together and can actually support each other because there's a lot of disconnect there right now. I, I have to I have to agree with Mark. It comes down to I the, I get questions day after day after day from my customers about how to use this, how to use that, and I have to be the one that brings them back to. If you have described your business process, understand your business, understand where you need to optimize, and then use these tools to optimize those business processes. Do you need a team? I'll have to ask them. You need a team if your business model suits. You know, high velocity teams needing the, the chat enablement, having having all of your work in a single place, team sites, yada yada. Do you need Yammer? It depends. If you use Yammer, Yammer is designed to do this specific job. If you have a hammer, is everything a nail? You know, none of these specific tools solve every business problem, but some of them can do a much better job than others as long as you understand where you're going with them. And and I think that that's, that's just it, is we need to see – sometimes we have to be the voice of reason to say that's a cool feature, but I would totally wait until it's out of preview because right now you can't do this, that, and the other thing. Coming back to tasks – literally looking at tasks at to do this morning and finding out that although it is the wonderlist team it's not wonderlist you know and and so no don't switch yet so those are the kinds of things that we try to bring sensibility and back to our customers and help them understand their business and how to use office 365 to make it better yeah i guess i have to agree with both uh, matt and mark 
uh, I think I think it was probably like two or three months ago I started pegging all our consultants as a postpart as adoption consultants because that's what we do more and more talking about all these features coming in and I think the best a company can do is actually ally themselves with someone who has their back on the features because they don't they don't look at the the roadmap or look at the announcements coming in the tenant dashboard so you, you need you need someone to digest all these announcements who also know your business and then maybe have a regular meeting saying okay we got these new problems we need to solve and then so, i guess uh, us here at the table when we talk to our customers we have to be the ones saying well maybe you should take a look at this uh, maybe we can try this this new the, this seems to fit uh, no I, I know this other process this works a lot better I've done this uh, a thousand times so it, it, it's a matter of like looking looking at the old looking at the new and you need someone to figure out for you because customers they, they don't have time to test out feature I mean they don't have time to play with flow or power apps it, it takes quite a lot of hours so they, they need someone to invest that playful time to see okay what kind of processes or business problems can actually solve um, so sure, it's it's nice to see all the Microsoft Mechanics videos and all the launches, and I guess going to Ignite or the old SharePoint conference, you see all all the new fun stuff for inspiration. But you really need someone to test it and and advise you in a good way, unless you have that capacity internally. Don't let yourself get whiplash. Um, the what Mikhail just said about using people that are spending the time looking and evaluating things. And I'd recommend the blogs of everybody on this podcast. And a good time to look at it is when you have a new initiative or a new project in the context of that specific set of requirements and needs. Beyond that, you can take this impressionistically that a lot of stuff is happening and that the, the pace and investment continues to be there. And that's all good. It is all good, and this has been a great conversation. Thank you, gentlemen, for the recap. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, I, I know each of you is busy working on some w wonderful things as we go around. Please, uh, if you could just tell us uh, what is the one thing that you would like to plug, and we'll put that in the show notes and make sure that we uh, we are sharing your good work uh, as well uh, as your insights here. Mikael. I have a webinar with Search Explain and Agnes Molnar coming up Wednesday the 24th about how to get your content searchable, where I'll go over, go over user profiles and the different metadata content. Uh, so how do you make sure that it actually gets into the index and you can get it back the way you want? Fantastic link will be in the show notes, so you can check that out. How about you, Matt McDermott? So I've been working on a new hybrid class. Uh, it's a three-day online instructor-led class for the major workloads of uh, SharePoint and Office 365 hybrid. Um, I'm presenting a brief snippet of that uh, that is a SharePoint search um, and taxonomy uh, just kind of showing better together, showing you how using hybrid search and hybrid taxonomy work well together. And uh, that'll be presented live and then available as a video after this um, after this podcast drops. Outstanding. Make sure to check out the link there. And that is that is timely. That's coming up uh, right away this week as you listen to it. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And finally, Mark. Oh, I wish I had something exciting to say like these guys do. Um, I don't have anything public <laughs> going on, but I will be speaking at a couple conferences coming up. I'll be in uh, Croatia and Zagreb uh, in a week or so, and then SharePoint Saturday Monaco, which is pretty exotic. 
just take our yacht on over there. And then I think the next thing would be SharePoint Saturday New York, which I just heard that I will be, uh, I got a slot at. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a few new audiences there. I certainly haven't been to an event in Monaco before. Outstanding. World travelers, the lot. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Jeff, what do you have working on? What would you like to share from your uh, your special uh, airport co-working space today? <laughs> well, I would just uh, thank everybody for joining and say watch this space. Um, uh, BNSAID is always up to new things, and as the CTO or Chief Troublemaking Officer, um, I'll tell you that uh, the uh, we've just launched this search for dynamics, and uh, we're coming out with some very exciting developments in about a month. So uh, check back on beinsight.com. Outstanding. Thank you, everybody. Mikhail Svensson, Matthew McDermott, Mark Anderson, and as always, Jeff Freed. On behalf of the panel, I'm Pete Wright, and we will catch you next time right here on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight.